You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. Welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors, everyone. Here's Rochelle and Corey. Say hi, Corey. Hello. Hello. So, okay, we're going to talk about traveling today. And I'm actually surprised we haven't talked about this before, because when we talk to clients about goals and things like that, I feel like this often comes up. Like many, many people have a goal of wanting to travel and like see the world and have fun experiences, whether it's now or later, a lot of people feel that way. Um, And it can be expensive, you know, so it may not be the biggest expense on your, your budget list, but it's probably like housing, maybe some student loans and things like that. But if this is something that you want to do frequently and you really want to see like the world, it can be very expensive and can be a pretty big list on that budget. So especially now, you know, I think everything has gotten more expensive over the last couple of years with inflation. I think that that has happened globally in addition to just domestically here in the United States. So international travel, that affects that too. But we're going to try to share a few tips to try to minimize expenses, but still have some memorable experiences. Because obviously, I think that for a lot of people that are traveling, it's about creating experiences and creating memories. And you don't necessarily need to spend a boatload of money every time to make that happen. Agreed. You know, <laughs> if you have the gear, camping is relatively inexpensive. Um, you know, going on a hike and, uh, you know, car trips, etc. But, um, but yeah, time, you know, timing is everything, you know, plan early and, uh, you know, off season traveling and being more flexible with your dates is, is uh, you can, you can find ways to, to bring the cost down a little bit. Now that can sometimes be challenging if you have a family cause you're got to adhere to your kids schedule with school and sports and spring break and winter break and summer break, et cetera. So it can be a little difficult to travel, um, uh, you know, during the off peak times when you've got the kiddos with you, but, uh, but I guess you could potentially get a babysitter and ditch the kids. Um, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about next, but (laughs) yeah, I think there's lots of ways to try to time things. Like some things totally make sense to book early. Like hotels and things like that are often less expensive if you book early. Other things, like it kind of depends on the time frame. So with flights, if it's a domestic flight, a lot of times there's a sweet spot in like between one and four months, but we don't really know exactly what that looks like. With international flights, usually it makes sense to book them a little bit earlier if you want to get a lower cost flight. Sometimes there's tools you can use to try to time things a little bit better. So like Google has a flights price tracker. If you have a date range in mind, you can tell Google like, hey, like if something lowers in price and where there's more flights available or something like that, send me an email and then you can try to like keep an eye on it that way. Um, if you don't have kids, might be harder if you do have kids, but if you don't and you're more spontaneous travel or you can look at things like hotel tonight and, you know, and be super flexible about when and where you're traveling and maybe book some things last minute and do it inexpensively because if a hotel isn't booked – you know, they'd rather have someone there than not, even if they're paying half price. 
So it really just depends on what you're trying to accomplish. But definitely timing can be a, a big deal. Yeah, Hotels Tonight, I've used that before. Um, I think you can only book after 12 p.m. in the local market. So like once I was in New York City for a night and I'm like, you know, let's just find a... Uh, we, we were driving from upstate New York and then I was thinking I was going to head... I forget if I was flying out the next day or heading down to Jersey to visit family. But anyways, it was, you know, let's find a hotel. And we got a hotel like in midtown Manhattan for like a hundred bucks for the night. It was a pretty good deal. Um, so yeah, that, but again, that's kind of the spontaneous, more flexible type of thing. If you're willing to take the risk, I mean, if you got the family in tow and you're in a city and you don't know where you're going to be sleeping that night, it could be a little bit of a gamble. Um, but you know, if you're just flying solo and, uh, um, yeah, if you can be flexible and spontaneous, then it can be a good way to, to save a couple bucks on lodging. Yeah. Which is why sometimes you may want to ditch the kids if you have kids. So this is probably a a section that's only applicable for parents. But I think you can kind of be selective if you are a parent about which trips you bring the kids on and which trips you don't bring the kids on. You know, so the, the really big international trips and things like that may not be terribly appropriate for a young child or fun for a young child or you. Like, a, you know, a five-year-old with international jet lag is not something that I want to deal with, personally. Like, I barely want to deal with jet lag myself, much less with, like, a young child. Um, and then, you know, you can do trips that are closer to home, maybe without big time changes that can be more fun with kids and have more kid-centric activities. And then when you do those bigger trips or those longer trips, that means it's less expensive because you have fewer flights to book. You don't need as much space. You also have a lot more flexibility to travel like how you want and spend your time how you want and probably maybe leave some anxiety at home too because when you're traveling with little kids like you're worried about them you know you want to make sure they're having a good time you want to make sure they're not overtired and that they're fed and all of these kinds of things that you don't necessarily need to worry about quite as much as an adult you can go out to a fancy dinner and drink a bunch of wine if you want <laughs> and not worry too much about it. Yeah. And if the kids are into like, I mean, keep in mind, you know what your kids are into. Like my kids would be perfectly content playing in the sand at the beach all day long. Like you get some lounge chairs, crack open a couple beers, let the kids just have at it in the sand, bury themselves, rebury themselves, just, you know, go to the lake they're content just throwing rocks into the water, digging under rocks, looking for frogs and salamanders or whatever, you know, making a mess of themselves in the mud. Like, uh, like they can be, they can easily entertain themselves with with sticks and rocks and things like that, um, which is a pretty low cost activity. Whereas, they probably wouldn't be as happy, you know, going to the Louvre Museum on a tour. Uh, walking with all the crowds and they don't think Mona Lisa is impressive at all. It's just a dumb painting of some lady who's not even really smiling. Um, And they can't see it too because there's too many people in the way. Yeah. Like we did some bigger trips last year with our little one. She's She would have been almost seven then. She's almost eight now. And we stayed closer to home this summer, partially because I know myself and I know that like taking her on those big trips made me stressed out. Like I just didn't want to do it again. And realistically, we stayed closer to home. We did driving distance, but, you know, still by a body of water, like you said, so she could play in the water and have fun. And she had just as much fun 
on the trip that we did this year as the trip that we did last year. Like literally just as much fun. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if we in, intentionally made this post about like traveling on a budget or being cost effective with traveling, but uh, I guess it's kind of what it's turning into. But small towns can sometimes be less expensive than large cities, but I guess it's also supply and demand. Like if you want to go to Jackson, Wyoming, small town by all metrics, very expensive to go visit. <laughs> Sun Valley, Idaho, not a large town, very pricey if you want to stay there. Um, but you know, if you're going to more of those mountain towns or in the Midwest, it's, it's, it's not as big of a tourist attraction, but still a, a cute little place to go check out and stay for a couple nights and, you know, go hiking or biking or, you know, skiing or whatever. Um, it's, uh, you know, it potentially can, can be a little more cost effective than, you know, paying for a hotel and the big apple. Mm -hmm. I think another thing is that even when you're wanting to go on a big trip, like the place that you go can drive the cost a lot. So like you want to go to a Greek island. Well, you can go to Santorini and it can be like, you know, 200 euros a day or something that you're spending every day because everything's expensive in Santorini and everyone wants to go there. Or you can go to Crete, which is also beautiful and maybe play half as much. To, to be there and to experience that. So I think it's like kind of thinking about things and trying to find things that are a little bit off the beaten path. Like it's not like Crete's not a tourist spot. It is. <laughs> but it's going to be less expensive than some other tourist places. So it, it's just important to be thoughtful about the places that you go. And again, I don't think that this means that we never go to Santorini. I think it's about like you – kind of make your budget and maybe you have like one really big trip where you go all out and then maybe you know if we really want to do more traveling than that maybe we have a couple smaller trips that kind of like satisfy that travel bug but don't break the bank quite as much like there's lots of different ways that you can approach this and obviously it will vary a lot depending on what your budget is and like what kind of you know disposable income you have yeah like my parents you know go to hawaii every year and for probably the last decade, they've been going to the Big Island. They used to go to Maui, but they found the Big Island was, you know, less expensive, less crowded. And you're in Hawaii. You can't have a bad time in Hawaii, really. It's, you know, warm, sandy beaches. The water is great no matter where you're at. Um, so it, it, it worked out quite well. You know, kind of sad what's happened with the fires in Lahaina on Maui. Hopefully they can rebound and recover. But, um, but yeah, things like that. Crete versus Santorini, uh, you know, never been to either. Would be fun to go. But, um, but yeah, you, you, can, you don't necessarily have to go to the tourist spot um, to still get more or less the same experience and, and less crowds and less price. Yep. The other thing about, like, choosing your vacation spot carefully is just where you're staying. You know, so hotels make a lot of sense, especially if you're jumping from one spot to another. If you're there for like two days, it's like, okay, let's take advantage of the amenities in the hotel, you know, maybe get some free breakfast or something like that. But if you're going to one spot and you're going to be there for quite a while, like short-term vacation rentals often make sense. You know, so you get an apartment for the whole family. You can use Airbnb or VRBO or whatever it is that's your jam. And the reason that it makes more sense over a longer period of time is because a lot of the time there's like one-time fees that you pay, like a cleaning fee or like some sort of overhead charge. And that fee is often the same no matter what the duration of your stay is. So if you're paying that fee for two days, 
it probably doesn't make sense. But if you're paying for it for like a week or more, a lot of times that makes sense. And it also allows you to do some other things like, you know, maybe have food in a little bit more, you know, like maybe you spend more of your money having other experiences, but you eat more at home and you you use the resources that are available in that short-term vacation rental that may not be available in a hotel. Yeah, I think especially if you have a family, the, the Airbnb mm-hmm. type place, at least for us, that's what we always try to do because one, we're embarrassed to have our hooligans in a hotel banging on walls and screaming and yelling and running down the hallway, pushing all the elevator buttons. Um, so you get a little more space. You get, you know, you don't have to book two rooms or a suite if you have a, you know, a a a, a, a house or whatever. And um, and if we bring the dog too, you know, it's usually easier that way. But uh, and and then yeah, our kid like taking our kids to a restaurant, like no thank you. It's you know we'll make the mac and cheese at home and let them throw the you know, stuff all over the table and make a mess and it's easier to clean up and, you know, you don't worry about collateral damage hitting the table next to you at the restaurant. So, um, yeah. so yeah, that's like all we do at this point. Um, I think we've maybe stayed in a hotel once or twice, just like the, Hey, pit stop overnight on our road trip. You know, we just, you know, we're in and out just sleeping here type of thing. But aside mm-hmm. from that, yeah, the, the, condo townhome airbnb type place or just you know single family home works out really well for us it's so convenient too it's just yeah it can be better in a lot of ways and i think the size of group can also be have a big impact on on whether you want to do that or not like if you're traveling with friends totally can make sense to do that can make it a lot easier but yeah um, one other note I have, and this definitely kind of is geared toward budget traveling, not budget, budget traveling, but can you reduce expenses in ways that are easier, but maybe traveling light, you know, like how many pairs of shoes do you really need for this trip? Do we need like one pair of kind of nice ones? Okay, fine. I need at least two, Corey. Corey is holding up a one finger for those of you that are not watching this on video. He thinks Sneakers and pair. maybe a pair of flip flops. Yeah, sneakers and sandals. You know, like maybe they're nice sandals so you can, if you were, <laughs> if you were of the female persuasion or you really like to wear nice shoes, maybe you want one pair of nicer things that are dressed up a little bit. But yeah, maybe two, like hopefully it's two. Unless you're going someplace super, super cold, then maybe you're justified in bringing an extra pair of something or other. But it's so much easier in a million ways if you can pack less. It's easier. It's also costs less money. Like almost every airline charges for checked baggage nowadays. If you can just bring your carry-on, you don't have to wait for the baggage carousel. You don't have to worry so much about losing baggage, which is big, especially if you're traveling internationally. Like that's On that funny. note, yeah, get Apple AirTags, put them in your luggage, because then you can see it's more expensive, but they're, what, 25 bucks a piece? But that way, if you're... If you're going to Crete and your baggage ends up in Santorini, at least you can look on your phone and say, hey, my luggage is on a different island. And at least you kind of know where it is and can tell the airline where it ended up. So that's a huge one for traveling, especially if you're checking bags. Um, or even if you're not, just you know, make sure that someone doesn't accidentally grab your exact same black suitcase that everyone has in the yep. airport. Absolutely. I think the other thing about packing and traveling is just, you know, Make a list, check it twice, especially if you're going super far, far from home. Because if you do forget something, if it's little and you can do without it, like, oh, well, whatever. 
But if it's important and now you have to buy it again, even though you have it at home, like that's not fun either. If you do forget something, if you're staying at a hotel, check in with the front desk. They may have it, especially if it's simple little things. Like a lot of times they do. So don't don't buy it if you don't need to because it's a hassle. And also like you don't have to spend the money if you don't have to spend the money. But I think it's, it's kind of a double-sided coin. Like we don't want to pack too much, but we don't want to leave things at home that we really do need. Yeah. Now, uh, once you get to your destination, um, you know, traveling while on location, especially if you're traveling light, you know, that you have more options for transportation or when you can drop off your luggage and uh, make it around town easily. Depending on the city, public transportation could be very functional and, and, and an easy way to get around or even walking. Like I've found when, when we go on vacations to to cities or when I used to, I should say, pre-children, um, <laughs> like I would walk. I, I just eat my way through cities. Let's walk from one restaurant to the next and you, you log 10 miles a day on your feet and you eat like a glutton, but you end up losing weight because you're burning so many calories walking all around and sightseeing on your feet. You see so much more when you do that too. You see so much more. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, I mean, to each their own. Some people want to go spend, you know, the entire day in a museum looking at paintings. And I think like it's, you know, I can appreciate that. Like I've done the Metropolitan Art Museum before in New York. I've done, you know, the, what's the one in uh, the Sistine Chapel in Rome or, or not Rome, the Vatican. Technically it's in Rome. But, um, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, but like my jam is, all right, let's go the diners, drive-ins and dives tour. Let's pop into these, you know, food carts, you know, little dive bars, restaurants, and get some good eats with, you know, the checkered tablecloths, nothing fancy. You don't have to dress up. You can go in kind of sweaty um, and just grab your sandwich and, and get out of there. But you get to see a lot. You get to eat good food and uh, kind of experience the city like the locals. Yep. And if you do want to see the sites, which makes sense if you, you know, you're in a fancy city you've never been to before or something with a lot of history, like if you can avoid tours, which tend to be really, really overpriced and like, you know, high cost experiences, a lot of times you can do that, those sorts of things on your own. And, you know, it doesn't mean like, you know, if you're going to a resort, you can't pay for the zipline experience, but maybe you do that. And then the next day you go on a walking tour on your own and you kind of figure it out. Obviously, when you do this safely, just make sure you know your surroundings and and check in with the hotel or, your, you know, your host, the Airbnb or whatever it is before you decide to do things like that. But there's also lots of things that are free. Like Corey said, like, I'm a museum person. Sure, I'd love to go walk around the city one day. But the next day, like, I want to see the sites. I want to go in the museums. I want to see the Mona Lisa. But <laughs> a lot of museums are actually free as well. So that's a big thing. Like, before you go, you can kind of look and see, like, which of these places are free? You know, are those on my list of places that I'd like to see? And let's, you know, you may not make it to all the things that you want to see. So maybe you prioritize those things that you already know you don't have to pay for out of pocket. And then, you know, you get down the list of the other things that that you can potentially do that that would cost a little bit more money. Because, you know, if you're going to spend all that money to get there, like obviously, like do what you want to do for sure. But if you can do that and also minimize costs, I think that's going to be great. It's the best of both worlds. Yeah. I mean, thanks to the internet that you can do so much research ahead of time to kind of plan your itinerary out rather than getting a travel agent or guided vacation. But like, I mean, I'm into the outdoors and seeing stuff outside rather than inside. And, you know, you could even 
like find economical ways to get around, rent a bike for the day and, you know, go on all the bike paths in the city, you know, cruise around. Um, there, there's ways to, to get around economically and, and, and quicker than just on feet too. Um, you know, get the, get the train pass or the trolley pass or whatever, you know, to hop on, hop off, make your way around town. You know, you could buy the single ticket, but it might also only cost like 25 bucks for the week to get the you know whole week pass type of thing. So look into that stuff as well. Yep. And I think when we're going to places that are not close to home, it's really important to just, it's always important to be kind, but it's also important when you're going other places to learn a little bit about the cultural etiquette ahead of time, because what we think is completely acceptable and polite may not be where you're going. And if you insult people unintentionally, things may cost more <laughs> and it's not going to be as easy. But if you can learn some basics about cultural etiquette, if you can learn some basic language skills, if you're going somewhere that is not an English speaking country, learn hello, goodbye, please, thank you. Like even just those ones, hello, goodbye, please, and thank you. That's huge. Like you are at least showing that you're putting in some effort. And then once you do that, like, you know, maybe some doors open up to you, maybe that you're, you're able to do things more easily. If you're at a hotel and you thought, okay, you know, we could share two king beds with, you know, my, my partner and I and my kid, and then you get there and you're like, ugh, I really wish that we had a better room. Ask for an upgrade. If it's not, you know, if it's not being used, it could be that you get that for free. And it doesn't hurt to ask, especially if you've already been kind and kind of laid the groundwork. So there's lots of things that you can think about. Um, and again, like it doesn't hurt to ask. The worst they can do is say no. That happened once when I was in Vegas with Andrews and Mike. We were supposed to have separate rooms, but like my reservation was messed up and this was for a conference. And like my booking didn't start till the next night. And we're like, hey, can you do anything for us? And they're like, oh, we could just upgrade you to the penthouse for no additional cost for tonight. <laughs> and we're like, done. It had like two <laughs> master suites and I got like the, the most comfortable rollout cot bed that I've ever slept on and uh, had like the whole living room and everything. So that was a neat, we could like see the fountain of the Bellagio. So worked yeah, out well. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And I think for the well-seasoned travelers, like points and rewards and things like that are huge. Like, I have not mastered this yet, not at all, but, you know, like, the rewards credit cards. Like, if you select the right card, if you use it consistently, you can, you know, stack up a lot of rewards, and if you use them appropriately, it can save you a ton of money. The other thing, like, even if it's not a credit card, you know, there's lots of different discount programs. Like, if you have a Costco membership, check there. If you have AAA, check there. You know, USAA or other like veterans services or, or senior services, like there's discounts for lots of different people that's kind of built in if you know to ask for them. You also, like a lot of people have workplace benefits. So my husband does, it's called like, oh gosh, I could, tickets at work. That's what it's called. We have to check tickets at work. Anytime we're going anywhere, we check tickets at work to see if there's any sort of discounts we can take advantage of. Any experiences in that place that we're going that we think would be worth trying out, that we can get some discounted passes to, all sorts of things like that. And there are also paid services that you can subscribe to, but you know, check the things that you already have available to you before you start doing things like that. But some of those paid services can be really great for people that you know travel frequently as well, and they don't necessarily cost a ton. Like I have a, a friend who subscribes basically to like an email services, and she 
Like she, she will literally text me and be like, do you want a broken Alaskan cruise today? Because if we book it today, it's going to be half as expensive. And the thing for her is that she would do that. I would not do that. So I would not pay for that service. But she would do that and she would save a ton of money, which is really, really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I know we like through our work benefits through paychecks, I believe we have like all sorts of discounts that I don't even look at or know exists in part because I don't travel a ton right now. But like yeah. I know um, they exist. They're there like they have some, like gyms all over the world that you can use like, hey, you're in a city. Check your workplace benefits. You might have access to some gym if you want to get a workout in that's not in the little hotel room that you have um you know yeah, movies that's... you know tours excursions etc like they have there's a lot of that stuff through workplace benefits and or your other memberships that your costco is a big one like they do everything yep. I've, I've heard people who book their entire vacations through costco because they really make it convenient for you absolutely yeah i mean i for frequent travelers even if like you like really like a particular hotel chain like i kind of always want to stay at this kind of hotel like if you do that and you do it consistently and you sign up for rewards, it can actually really be significant. I have a friend who does that a lot too where she like just always stays in the Marriott and then she gets free upgrades and she gets, you know, like hugely discounted rooms sometimes and all sorts of things. Which is, And she actually travels for work a lot and that's that's another thing is if you do travel for work and you can consistently rack up points with your work travel that you're not even paying for, like that's the best of both worlds too. Big fan of the free breakfast at Holiday Inn Express. It's a good one. <laughs> awesome. That might be more for a work trip than anything else. But <laughs> Teach their own. <laughs> yeah. I think not getting sucked in is also important. Like, oh, come to this free dinner and we'll try to sell you something, basically. It's a timeshare. Don't do it. <laughs> I mean, I guess it, there can be situations where that makes sense, but... Timeshares are generally inflexible and hard to get out of, so most of the time they don't make sense. You know, avoid unnecessary insurances. When you get a rental car, sure, you can pay for extra insurance. Do you need it? Probably not. Your most insurance? Yeah. credit cards have, like, built-in rental car insurance on them as is. So. Right, right. So a lot of times you already have coverage for the insurance that someone's trying to sell you. So, you know, don't overpay for things like that. So that's just one other kind of pointer. But I think, you know, travel can definitely be a priority for people. It is. Um, and we talk about this a lot with a lot of different subjects, but it's important to kind of reflect on those priorities and compare them to other priorities because we don't want to neglect other things that we're trying to accomplish and kind of order them in your mind a little bit. Like, yes, travel is a priority, but it's also really important for me to put the kids through college. Okay, like are we putting enough to that goal and then what do we have left for travel? And now this is your budget. And then you kind of set a budget for yourself and it can be an annual budget that makes a lot more sense than doing it monthly or anything like that. But then, you know, you can kind of plan your trips accordingly. Like this budget means I can do, you know, two big domestic trips each year or I can do one international trip every other year or whatever it is and then go from there and then don't feel guilty when you're spending the money that you already budgeted for it. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy it while you're there. Absolutely. I think that's probably it for today. I mean, we could do endless 
talk about travel and everything, but I'm sure there's other podcasts out there that do a better job of detailing travel hacks for you if you're looking for that stuff. But We're um, awesome. I don't know what you're talking about, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, reach out to us. We've got some resources we could point you to. Um, and, uh, and yeah, happy traveling. Thanks for listening. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanden Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on thefinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.